Welcome to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything. Food, sports, God, gardening, church, politics, music, movies, comedy, you name it, we talk about it. I'm Cody Stopper. And this is Craig Morton. On this podcast, we talk to writers, teachers, activists, and we seek some wisdom. And as always, we are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. We are hitting record now. <laughs> Recording in progress. Recording. Hey! Yeah. Hi. We're here. <laughs> We're here. This is Codemaster Codeman. This is Crash Test Craig. <laughs> you, we need we need one more uh, you know gimmicky you know nickname. Oh, Kaylee, um, do you got it? I nickname? don't have a. I don't, I don't have okay. a nickname like that. Oh well. Okay, we're gonna come um, up with one. We're gonna work yeah. with. Them. Yeah, you gotta give me a little more time to yeah. to think about this before. <laughs> the best ones are just spur of the moment. Let's see. You were in the uh, military. How about combat Kaylee? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, because that's not going to have any issue with my PTSD. <laughs> okay. Oh, how about, okay. Uh, okay, we'll keep working on it. That We'll skip that All one. All right. <laughs> the, alliter- the alliteration does seem to be a thing. So it does. <laughs> hey, this is our second episode with Kaylee on which... We'll at, both well, be up soon. At, at this time, those who are hearing us say this is the second don't know that there's a first. So hopefully they'll hear the first, and then when they hear this, they'll know that, oh, yeah, this is the second. That's right. This is part two. So you, I'm sure you'll clear all that up, Cody, in the write-up that you've got for yep. the first episode. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. I was, you, said I was you, having me on, you said you're having me on for Pride Month, and you got, you got tomorrow. <laughs> so <laughs> I got to get it up today. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll get it up today. So if we if we get one if we get part one up today, we can put part one part two up tomorrow, and that we, we'll get them in. Perfect. It, I love it. It is the 29th, right? Yep. Yeah. Hey, we, yep. we don't we don't wait to the very end. That's right. Besides, why should it only be one month? Exactly. In fact, we should wait and post it July 1st, just to make a point. Just, just to make, to make a point. A point. <laughs> Here, here in Lanza, we also celebrate in October because, let's oh, be really? honest, June is way too hot and humid to oh, have parades. Does it, does it have October. another name or is it called Pride Month Part 2 or? Uh, just Atlanta Pride. Oh, cool. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Plus, you get to rope in Halloween. Yeah. So, oh, that's awesome. Uh, October my, will be fun. My, my children's favorite holiday is halloween huh i you never know, really good... liked it i never really liked it i think it's because growing up as a kid i was always for- forced to wear hand-me-down costumes Ooh, see my kids are super creative with their costume ideas and so so here we were going through uh for the last month i was at my dad's house and we were going through boxes of stuff that you know throw away donate 
Some of it is valuable to sell and some of it is take as memorabilia. One of the things we found, we opened up a box and it's like, why are there white sheets here? Uh oh. And then we pulled out a hood with eye holes cut in it. No way. Oh no. Like, what? It's like, we're just like freaking out. What are we? Oh, and then we all went back to our childhood when that was the ghost costume. Ghost. Ghost. Yeah, ghost. And it, was just, it wasn't a pointed white hat, you know. Good. It was like, but it's like, oh, this looks weird. You know, what, what oh, are we learning? Okay, what are we learning we about that? <laughs> it's okay. You just went full Charlie Brown. Yeah, really. What, yeah. That, that's all it was. Yeah. yeah. We were lucky there were eye holes in it because I could, I could also see my parents who were very thrifty say, we're not going to put holes in the sheets. You know, that would just be got You got to sleep with them. Still, so. just, just hold your sister or your brother's hand. You'll be okay. <laughs> oh, no. Uh <clears throat> anyway. uh, so la last episode we got to talk a little bit about uh kaylee's kind of personal story and information but but towards the end kaylee started hitting some biblical topics and uh, because we were running out of time i thought oh we've got to make this a part two and yeah, where what and, and if i recall it was probably one of the most crucial important aspects of the entire not just hebrew bible but the canon itself yeah, I think we were talking about yeah. Genesis one and two, maybe one, two, yes. three, whatever. I mean that that is at least the way I see it. That is something that never. It's a beginning of a story that doesn't complete itself, mm -hmm. uh, and and it speaks even at the very end of the book of Revelation back to that story. I mean, it's like a persistent story all the way through the the narrative. Hey, look, there's Cody. His video finally <laughs> came on. There he is. He's I real. Off. I was driving. I was driving, so I didn't want to <laughs> give, you know, yeah. an opportunity to be distracted. So I had video off. So yeah, um, yeah. Genesis one. I think if if we're gonna talk LGBTQ, um, where that where people fit in in this entire like Christian story, yeah. you gotta start at Genesis one because let's be honest. There's um, five verses that might say something about homosexuality uh, and only if we force that interpretation on it, uh, especially in New Testament. Yeah. Um, the, the Old Testament in Leviticus makes a little, a little bit more sense to you know, equate it with homosexuality because of the, the wording, but still like you gotta, <laughs> you gotta recognize that it's in the same passage that talks about sacrificing children to Moloch. Um, right. You gotta, we gotta take you got to take these things in their context. And exactly. um, even the Leviticus one probably has a lot more to do with, uh, with ritual, uh, ritual, um, ritual, uh, what am I trying to say? Religious rituals <laughs> that, um, so like even, even the verses that seem to talk about homosexuality, like they're complicated, they're nuanced and, uh, honestly, I don't think anybody's view of LGBTQ people actually comes from those verses. Right. They, they might point to them, but at so least for say, me. Say, say that again. You're saying they, that their views of LGBTQ don't come from those verses. So are you also saying Correct. that their views have a predisposition to be biased or prejudiced when they're going to those verses just to justify their positions? Correct. That's okay. what I would say. Yeah. And I say that because that was my no that was me before i okay. became affirming um and 
I mean, I had to become affirming for literally everybody else before I was able to actually let myself <laughs> like acknowledge who I was, which was just a process that I had to go through. Um, but a lot of that was, you know, you're, people don't, <laughs> people don't uh, read the Bible and develop a theology. They're given a theology and then they interpret the Bible. And it's hard to overcome those things. Um, we're we're teaching children theology before they read can read. So one hundred percent, right? And, and um, who's the who's the loudest and most impactful teacher for those children? Um, yeah, because there's a symphony. Well, not a symphony, a cacophony of voices, and <laughs> and it's which one which one speaks. And which one grabs us most is it yeah. and i think that's that's another part of that issue and i mean we see this just staying on topic with lgbtq we see this whenever parents are like stop forcing uh stop forcing homosexuality on kids well i mean the flip side is of that is you're already forcing uh straight relationships on children uh, <laughs> so what you're actually saying is stop letting them know there's other expressions out there or stop uh, allowing them to develop an understanding that is nuanced. I mean, yeah. like it's really about controlling the theology that people are given. It's not actually about making sure that uh, they know the right things because yeah. children are going to pick up on what they see and, and, what you teach them and what they see in the society around them and so that, that's why the control over what children see is such a big such a big deal because people actually recognize the fact that if children are exposed to things then they might question what their parents believe and that's i right. think that's the biggest fear with that um but anyways my, from my perspective this is my hypothesis i i want to at some point do like a like a um, survey and get people's feedback and stuff and like hopefully on like a big scale but I'm not sure when, when I might be able to do that I I honestly think that when it comes to LGBTQ it's all about Genesis one what does it mean that God created uh, humanity male and female what does it mean to be created in the image of God and like this summer or this last year, I don't know, remember who put it out, put out um, a documentary called In His Image. And I mean, that's the premise is that uh, homosexuality, transgender people, they are working against the image of God. Like that's it. That's, that's oh. what, what the title implies. So I, I don't think that I'm just, you know, grasping at things whenever I say, our understanding of Genesis is actually what is driving our inter interpretation of other passages. Yeah. So yeah, that's why that's why for like Pride Month, uh, I I just jumped right in and I gave a sermon on how LGBTQ people fit into the creation narrative, and then when we let the narrative be consistent and we interpret it consistently we actually find that uh, LGBTQ people are upheld and affirmed in the creation narrative, which I think is incredibly significant.
So, so go ahead and unpack that then. So where, yeah. where, 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 where do we begin reading in Genesis one? You know, where, where, where do we start to um, acknowledge that or see that, you know, in the text? Um, yeah. How's that how, lead, lead us through that process? Yeah. So the first, I mean, kind of the first thing that I like to recognize is just the fact that um, when it comes to the creation of mankind, especially a lot of times we are told that the binary between male and female is upheld and created by God. And that's what, uh, that's what gives people, or that's how God places God's image on people is through gendering. It's where relationships come from. So there's, there's this idea that the binary between male and female has to exist in the creation of humans just because of language. As it says, let us create, let, let us create man in our image, male and female, right? right. It's a binary, it's dichotomy, two groups. We're good, like generally speaking, we're good with understanding it that way. The problem is, is that would be the only time in the entire creation narrative where we get two different groups or maybe three groups because other days have three groups and not two groups, where we get these groups that are exclusive because for example day one the separation of day and night it doesn't exclude dawn and dusk like that is something that exists in between those two dichotomies in between those two binaries on the second day we have the separation of water and uh which is water below water above and without going into like an ancient understanding of the world like, uh, we still are not excluding the fact that fog exists in between these two spaces. On the, on the third day, we, there's the separation of land and water and the creation of vegetation on the dry land, specifically on the dry land. However, the, the existence of marshes and algae, they aren't against the created order <laughs> these are not sinful categories even though they don't now are we sure i don't know seaweed you're kind battling of algae i've been battling algae in our i mean two-thirds of uh, if i remember right from science class two-thirds of the oxygen in the air come from algae and not from good point good point so, uh, <laughs> we, we might need we might need some algae more algae um, that, yeah yeah so then, you know, we get to day three and the creation of the sun, moon, and stars, you know, three specific categories, right. which obviously if we're, you know, if we're forcing it to be exclusive categories, then we have to, uh, we have to expect then that black holes are somehow sinful because <laughs> they exist <laughs> outside of these categories that are given to us. Um, mm. The, uh, what day am I on? The fifth day where God creates animals that occupy the sea and animals that occupy the air. There's these two different categories. And yet we have creatures like, and I know that this is maybe not the best example. We have mosquitoes <laughs> and other, other forms of insects where like they start in the water, right. but then mm. they occupy the air. Like they go between these categories. And we have a few flying fish. We have ducks and geese that 
that really, I mean, yeah, without the marshes and the water, they don't really thrive. Yeah. And then, and then on the sixth day, you know, we have the creation of things on the land, um, which uh, they get separated into beasts, things that crawl or things that um, uh, squirm, I don't know. I think it was the, yeah. the squ- squiggle. Squiggle. We'll go with that. <laughs> uh, and we have cattle. And, but that's, that doesn't mean that, you know, an emu who uh, is later domesticated and becomes cattle is like taking on an emu to, to have an emu farm. That's not sinful because you're taking something out of its, you know, created category. Right. Like that, that's just ridiculous. So we have the entirety of the creation narrative up until the point where man is created, where we're going, oh, yeah, these are categories, but, you know, things exist in between them, and we're okay with that. We're not looking at frogs and going, no, frogs are sinful, let's get rid of them. Right. Like, we're, we're <laughs> yeah. just not doing that. So, so if we're going to be consistent in our interpretation and in our theology, we got to be consistent through the entirety of the passage. So when we get to the creation of male and female, like we, it's the same deal. Like, yeah, two different categories. These are not exclusive. These are just two generalizations that most things fall in. And the existence of things of people in between those two categories is not sinful. It's just part of how God created things. Because things exist in between, in between the categories. So, in, in between those categories, do they do those categories set themselves up as, I don't want to say polar opposites, but almost bookends? You know, some, some something that has a gap that can be filled with, filled in with a spectrum of of possible options. Spectrum is probably a good way to look at it. Um, I, I mean, that's more difficult with the with the days where like three things are created. Okay. Because. Uh, a three-way oh, spectrum is fascinating like, to think about actually yeah <laughs> dimensions that's why i kind of like yeah <laughs> that's why i kind of like to think of it as just generalizations like okay okay let's face it yeah. most you know most things that occupy the sea they stay in the sea right. most things that occupy the air stay in the air statistically speaking um although i do think that the statistics are probably off most people identify as uh straight cisgendered people and so i mean that's just a fair category to use whenever you're making generalized categories for people and i i don't have a problem with that but the idea that because day six has man uh being created in two categories uh equates a fixed binary between genders is, is ridiculous and when considered with the rest of the passage because that's not consistent right yeah and i mean personally i think that when we're we're interpreting the bible consistency is something that we really need to have especially when we're dealing with a passage that's meant to be taken as a whole Hmm. so this last uh sunday this actually gets out of genesis one because this is the story where where god makes uh eve from adam's rib Mm-hmm. And somebody on Sunday, I'd never thought about this before, and this is very simplistic or whatever, but I was like, oh, 
Well, okay, I'd have to unpack this a bit, but I'll throw it out there for you all. So we were talking, uh, Congregate and I, about LGBTQ stuff, and uh, the person was like, I don't understand why people go, can't, uh, you know, accept that this is a reality for, I mean, wasn't Eve made from Adam's rib? And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's how the story, that's in the story. And the person was like, (laughs) and the person uh, was like, "Um, so doesn't that mean then that Adam carried within him, you know, he wasn't just strictly 100, you know, all male, Uh if he had within him the ability for a woman, (laughs) You know, basically, like it's a part of. That's was, okay. I, was like, no. I, was, I was like, okay, all right. But uh, so, what do you think about that one? That gets out of but, the, it, this one. But, I, my only consternation is the Hebrew doesn't say anything about a rib. I know, right? So, yeah, it is. You know, that's yeah. our split and split in half is. Yeah, better. it's like it took took yeah. his side. Yeah, took his side. side. Yep. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. But but yeah, yeah, you know, it, what, how how is that? How is how is she already in that raw material yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, already within. So, I mean, if we have time, we can hopefully get to that. Um, okay. Because actually, I actually do have a pretty good answer uh, to to that. Um, well, then let's work up to it. Let's get there. <laughs> <laughs> Suffice it to say, there actually is a, a line of rabbinic teaching that assumes that Adam was androgynous before, hmm. which I've is really that. interesting. Yeah. Well, isn't that I, even I, part I don't of that, necessarily agree with it, but isn't that part of that yeah. to a certain degree part of that in uh, um, Genesis one twenty seven part where is it you know God formed um, the, the that human creature and just called it isn't it just the human one or just the human being or is it actually male and female? Um, the the split i guess well actually that's that's part of my second point after the fact that male and female aren't aren't meant to be fixed binaries is uh what what do we do with the language yeah um especially as it pertains to the image of god and and that's really that's kind of the big thing is what is the image of god what does it mean to have the image of god yeah and uh, a lot of times in our in our understanding of it today, it's very individualistic, and we see each individual as being the image of God, which uh, I understand where that theology comes from, and it's actually something that uh, was probably around during the time of the New Testament. The thing is, is that doesn't mean that uh, Genesis 1 (laughs) reflects that understanding. So Genesis 1, uh, it says, let us create man in our image. And the word, the Hebrew word is Adam, um, which is where we get Adam from. Right. And it literally just means man. Uh, however, Hebrew, very similar to English, uh, using the singular word man uh, is, is very often just means humanity, mankind. Sure. Yep. And, that's, and that's what we see in Genesis 1 is let us make man in our image. It's, it's not let us make the individual it's let us make right. humanity as a collective whole right. in our image and so it's not the fact that each individual person has the image of god it's that humanity and all of its parts has the image of god which yeah. is significant whenever we talk about the fact that male and female is not a binary 
if if we're open if we're open to that idea that male and female is not a binary and that people exist outside those two categories and the image of god is on humanity as a whole that means that the entirety even those outside those binaries are part of the image of god and that is what god has put god's image on yeah so if we are trying to exclude people who don't fit into these binaries then we are in fact excluding part of god's image mm. and that's not cool <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's not god's that's not god's intent that's right and that's something that we need we need to recognize so so the image of god resides in the totality of humanity as 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 a whole as exclude any Genesis portion, one talks about it yes and to exclude any portion then means we are actually limiting the full expression of the of the, of, of the image of god correct the, the, this piece of the puzzle no we don't want it it's like well we need exactly to complete. okay which yeah. by the way <laughs> by the way would make uh conversion therapy uh incredibly oh. sinful like if so, you want to talk about degrading the image of god uh it's yeah. not trans people it's conversion therapy <laughs> yeah, yeah right well i would think that okay so to take that idea a little bit further you know a good chunk of a lot of the hebrew scriptures has to do with how folks create false images mm-hmm. so essentially i would assume by limiting even by one, mm-hmm. you know, uh, factor, the image of God, you're essentially creating a false image of God. I've actually never made that connection before. Um, but that's actually, that's, that's really, that's a really amazing point. I, I think that's a piece that happens from yeah. time to time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> accident, profound things will be said, but they will be purely by accident. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so yes, that's, yeah, that is the sin of essentially idolatry. We're creating, nope, you can't be, that's not the image of God. Mm-hmm. This is. I, I, I thought it was really interesting that you brought up uh, the, the, the issue of, or mentioned conversion therapy, because as, as you described it and we thought about it in this context, it fits into any kind of colonialism. Oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, that's you, not, you got to be like you, this. You go in yeah. to make somebody like yourself, and whatever the predominant right. culture is, that's mm-hmm. the right way to be. Ooh, gross. Which I, I <laughs> think. Yeah, that's gross, Cody. <laughs> I don't, that was an odd comment on the, on the statement, but that's okay. Uh, it's gross to do that. Okay, I wasn't sure what you were talking to. <laughs> Yeah, actually, look yeah. like your yeah, computer when you said that. So, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, no, yeah. I think it's gross. To, ugh, that'd be a gross <laughs> world. I mean, I, I do think that that is kind of a byproduct of the idea that the image of God can be placed on individuals because then it sets up this idea that um, in one specific person can be the full expression of God's image. And if you have that understanding, then you're trying to make conformity but you're not making conformity to god you're making conformity to a person and it almost becomes a pageant who's the most image like and yeah. whoever whoever controls the narrative controls the judgment and then they're the most image like that's the way to be i mean a lot of that i think comes from like new testament understandings of tr- be like christ which uh 
you know, makes sense. But let's be honest, being like Christ doesn't mean giving up who you are. Uh, nowhere in the Bible does it say to not be yourself. Being like Christ just, it's really about your focus, but it's not about, um, it's not about every single person being a carbon copy. Like, yeah. what's the point? What is the point of creation where like, we look at creation and see beauty and the trees and in the mountains and see all this variety around us. But when it comes to humanity, we want carbon copies of yeah. every single person. Yeah. Like that's not God's, cre- that's not God's creativity. One of, one of my, mentors, I appreciate it. Okay. One of my mentors had said uh, the way to, one way to pursue that question is not so much, how do I become like Jesus, but how would Jesus live my life? There mm-hmm. you go. Um, yeah, that's why I appreciate the um, the universal Christ uh, uh, talk, you know, and, mm-hmm. and aspect like it's a transcendent thing. It isn't just relegated to, I don't know, people might call this heresy, I suppose, but, you know, that Christ is a transcending reality. It's not just a localized, um, it's very specific, but it's a something that uh, encompasses all of, really all of nature all of the universe i mean so i do get why you say some people think of that as heresy but the problem the problem with thinking it's heresy would be thinking that you can uh know christ 100 fully right. which yep. is just not possible like yeah we all come oh to, i wouldn't uh, call like, it heresy that's for sure yeah oh yeah no i agree with you but like i mean it's kind of like this like cody i know you we know each other. We know parts yeah. of each other, right? Mm-hmm. However, my th- there's like two between me and you. There are two Cody's that exist. There's probably three actually. There's the Cody that exists. There's the Cody that exists in my mind, and there's the Cody that exists in your mind. Yeah. And I'm interpreting who you are based off of my worldview, my experiences, and um, just the facts and uh, interpretations about you that I have. The Cody in my mind is not real Cody. And so whenever we come to Christ, like exact same thing, like there's the Jesus that I read in in the Bible. There's my experiences, but what I have in my mind is not Jesus. (laughs) Like it it is my experience with uh, trying to know the person of Jesus. And so the idea that there can be this like, full understanding of of who jesus is and what that means to you know uh, act, uh, like what it would mean for jesus to live through my life like that is completely interpretation and speculation on my part and yep. i'm not saying that that means that's bad I, i'm just saying where it's it's called humility <laughs> to, right. to recognize yeah, just right. that fact who um whose quote is it uh i'll, I'll tell you oh Gerard Manley Hopkins. There we go. Yeah. Christ plays in 10,000 places. 10,000 places. Yeah. And, and I was thinking of that quote, but I wasn't figuring, remembering who said that, but it, it is that, that, and I also like the idea of it's, it's playful, you know, it's not nailing it down to a dogma, but Jesus, as well as in, every individual, you know, everybody we know, they're, they're different in different places. I think it was, it was a really good, that was a really helpful way to talk about the Cody I know, you know, and the Cody he knows and the Cody his daughters know. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Cody plays in 10,000 places. What do you think? And, and I am just a limited human being. So how many more infinitesimal? Okay, okay. You, you won't be playing a thousand places then. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's good. So, I like that. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, uh, I mean, going going back to Genesis one, like understanding the image of God, it means understanding that God's image is placed on all of humanity. And, and uh-huh. not just individuals yeah and I, that's that's also important whenever uh, like the last aspect of the creation narrative that at least i would i would have thrown out there whenever uh before i was affirming was like okay i mean that's that's all fine but also there's like this blessing to uh, be fruitful and fill the earth and you can't really do that without um having gender and uh w- which you know is somewhat true i guess um but again consistency throughout the entirety of the passage this isn't the first time that god blesses two categories and tells them to be fruitful and multiply god also says that to the creatures of the sea and the creatures of the air and yet we don't read that passage and be like yeah obviously birds and fish need to mate to fill the earth no, that's that's ridiculous. So, the the blessing to be fruitful is independent of the categories. First of all, I'm not saying that me, that people can reproduce without uh, with just one gender. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is is that they're they aren't as connected as we want them to be. But also, the blessing isn't on individuals again. Like. Uh, the Old Testament isn't about individuals. <laughs> it's it's right. about community. And yeah. the blessing is placed on humanity. And I don't, I mean, it. I, I don't know about you guys, but uh, it seems to me it doesn't take every single person being in a heteronormative relationship for the human race to fill the earth. <laughs> right. And, and there's more to that blessing than to just be fruitful and multiply it. It's to subdue the earth. It's, it has these other aspects. So it's not that God is specifically saying male and female exist to fill the earth. It's just saying humanity is going to fill the earth. They have these jobs as a group. All right. So no, you don't right. have to force everybody into these binaries to fulfill this blessing the blessing's gonna get fulfilled as the whole of humanity lives out their experience. And let's be honest, like to fulfill the entirety of the blessing because it it is more than just creating babies, like it's enhanced whenever there is diversity amongst, uh, amongst the categories. It's just, that's how it is. So, I mean, that's kind of like that last hang up is what about, you know, procreation when it comes to male and female, like, it makes sense, but like, it's still, it's not saying that it's the, the creation narrative is not saying that male and female exist uh, for the purpose of procreation. It's just, these are categories, they're going to work together and there's going to be procreation. There's inconsistency, I would think, on the part of those who think that's what it's saying, that this is all about procreation. 
because then it doesn't allow room for really anything else. Well, it doesn't allow room for the New Testament. Let's be honest. Exactly. The New Testament upholds singleness more than it upholds heterosexual relationships. Yeah. Good point. And, and, and there's got to be more than just individuals procreating. It's like that's right. yeah. very short-sighted. Yeah. But if humanity has this job, it's something that humanity participates in together. So mm-hmm. which to me, sounds like everybody has a part in creating communities that can flourish um that you know that 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 care for one another um you know that that promote wholeness that's Mm -hmm. maybe maybe that's another aspect of that story that gets overlooked i i would agree especially whenever i i think that we have individualized the creation narrative so much and there i don't think it's meant to be taken individualized at all first of all but the the way that John Walton would say is humanity humanity gets to partake in the creation process and that's really what it is it's it's about humanity as a whole filling up this space that God has created and taking part and in stepping into that creation process of developing the earth I mean I mean, that might sound a little industri- industrialistic. That's not what I was meaning. <laughs> but yeah, like you get what I'm saying. Like yeah. this is, yeah, it's much bigger. So you're a, you're a John Walton fan? I am a John Walton fan. I don't yeah. know if he would ever be a fan of me. <laughs> you know, I, I've only heard him teach or heard, heard, heard uh, podcasts where he's been a guest. And I'm fascinated by the very open creation story he tells. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I don't know. He might, he might, he might be a surprising ally. He, he might be. Um, but he teaches at Wheaton, so he's probably yeah. He teaches at Wheaton, so he wouldn't be very outspoken if if he was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. John Walton, if if you listen to this, you know, reach out. Let, let me know. Are you yeah. an ally or not? <laughs> uh, I'll see if I can find him and send send him an email. So yeah, yeah, know. that'd be great. But it, so kind of as an aside uh i'm thinking of john walton but also others are there are there how do you resource yourself so that you don't simply or so we don't or so nobody just continues to recycle the old um very narrow interpretations of this genesis story the more i've studied it it's gotten larger and more expansive and more rich than what i was told growing up right um i mean what i would say is like uh, John, John Walton loves to, uh, to to give new perspectives. So I would say if you if you've never seen another perspective, start there. I like what he has to say. Um, but honestly, it's about not looking for people who share your perspective. Okay. If that makes sense, right, right. Um, but at the same time, like I'll be honest, whenever I was going through my process of whether or not I was going to be affirming of LGBTQ people. And this is before I ever recognized myself as trans. Um, I didn't, I didn't read, uh, I didn't read liberal theology or progressive theology. I actually read the most conservative theology, but I was very like, I took the arguments and I thought through them. And, And one of them is this creation narrative. People 
love to use the creation narrative to uphold these gender binaries with expected gender roles and it's just not there right it it doesn't it doesn't hold up to critique what it does hold up to is is cultural norms and if you're able to appeal to those in a culture that has already been predisposed to understand things in that light then yeah that they work but if you just let the bible speak for itself without trying to force our own uh, traditions on it, it it generally says something a little bit different than what we expect it to. I, I think that's a really difficult um, process for a lot of people, perhaps folks who are more trained in exegesis and know that there's a variety of tools to use to kind of to, to look at, you know, to, to find out what's going on in the in the biblical story. What I find difficult is how to get even though we don't have pews, but that traditional quote unquote person in the pew, you know, how mm-hmm. do we, how do we get them to imagine another reality that this is, this is an incredibly ancient civilization that didn't have, you know, had very, very little in common with our understanding of contemporary life. You know, there, we, how, mm-hmm. how do we, how do we find out what interpret, interpretations I'm imposing on them? You know, chances are they didn't necessarily think about uh, psychological stage theory the same way we do. Yeah. Uh, think about parent-child relationships the same way we do. They didn't think about um, who knows what, uh, you know, it's hard to get people to strip, shed those, those layers. And I know I, I find myself struggling every once in a while when I find those filters and I'm using them and it's like, like how do I, how do I let it speak fresh? And it sounds like mm-hmm. you had to go through that process by, in fact, jumping into the most conservative stuff, and it probably made the the the, um, the difference more aware. You know, you became more mm-hmm. aware of what you brought and what they brought, and what kind of discontinuity there was. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I mean, I, I I really don't have an easy answer to to bridge that gap. I, so part of part of the problem is is the evangelical culture that Christianity happens to be in in the United States, which is that, I mean, if we're just going to be honest, predominantly people who identify as Christians in America, at least the loud ones, are white evangelicals. Yeah. With that, um, there there is a disconnect between the pastors in churches and the people in the congregation. Generally speaking, a congregation matches their culture more than their pastor right so they might have a more progressive pastor but if they are living in like northern idaho they're generally going to have a a worldview and a tradition that is different than the pastors so first of all it's hard to to break through those things second of all like i said outspoken Christian culture right now is predominantly white evangelical. There, that setup, because of the way that it operates and how it expects everyone to fall in line is incredibly difficult to overcome, especially whenever people are being told that questioning beliefs can send you to an eternal conscious torment, which is also a more recent understanding um, than 
most people think. Right. But I mean, there's so much power in that fear narrative of if you question this, you're going to go to hell. However, if you don't question it and we happen to be wrong on a couple things, at least you're not going to hell. But if you choose the wrong things to, to change your mind on, like that's pretty big risk. So how about we don't rock the boat? And if you do rock the boat, then we're just going to throw you out of the boat because uh, we, we're not okay with we're, we're not okay with somebody um, bringing us down with them or possibly yeah. influencing one of our teenagers or, you know, so like there's an incredible control just off of the fact that there's real fear about hell. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I mean, that is something that is not easy to overcome. For me, I had to just get to the point where I'm like, you know what, whether hell exists or not, I believe in a God of love. And I don't think that a God of love is going to punish somebody who is earnestly trying to understand who God is. And once I gave myself that little bit of room to just, all right, let's look at this because I actually do want to know God more. And I do want to know what it means that God loves me and loves other people. Yeah. And that was, that was my starting point is just recognizing that my, where my heart is, is going to be a lot more important than where my theology is. Mm. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, if your theology <clears throat> leads to shunning, exclusion, hatred. You're not doing religion right. <laughs> <laughs> time to re-examine that theology. So did, do you, do you want to jump into to Genesis 2, which is a different type of story? And does it, yeah, does, it, does it speak to that? I mean, the same, does it, does it provide a similar interpretation, but from a different um, posture? So, I mean, we, we have to really understand what Genesis 2 is. <laughs> and, and we need to stop calling it a creation narrative because it's really not. Um, oh, come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Genesis 2 is, uh, yeah, they're, they're, it's, such, it's so rich and it needs to be examined on its own. And we love to put it together because Jesus did that in Matthew 19. Uh, Jesus said, God uh, created the male and female. And for this reason, um, uh, for this reason, let no man, uh, you know. Yeah, Matthew 19, he, he connects Genesis 1, Genesis 2. You can go back and read it. I, I don't have it memorized. <laughs> um, so so there, like, there is this obvious, like, easy to connect these two stories, especially because Jesus did it. And, you know, Jesus does it, I can do it. <laughs> but there, but you they are really also. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to to connect these two um, into one narrative is is not necessarily uh, the most hermeneutically correct thing to do. Right. And when we we look at Genesis two on its own, it really. It's, it's not a creation narrative. It's a temple construction narrative, which, which is super common in the ancient Near East is 
this God has, you know, created the universe. And now the, this God is setting up a temple and this is where the people are going to worship them. And, and that's what we get in Genesis two, except for instead of a temple is a garden, which is, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the Hebrew people are the only ones with a, um, with a temple narrative that is a garden and not a building, which is really interesting. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't, how, how do I say this without like losing um, three quarters of the audience? We don't oh, have to. I think we have lost. Uh, I think <laughs> whoever remains right. at this point is with us. Uh, we don't have to read Genesis 2 as the actual physical creation of humans. Right, right. The, a lot of it is poetic language. Like Adam being made from dirt is used throughout the entirety of the ancient Near East and uh, again throughout the Old Testament just to symbolize the mortality of humans. And like David even, I, I think it was David in one of the Psalms says that he was made of dirt or clay. But like, we don't read that and go, oh, so uh, he wasn't, you know, physically born. Like, no, it's, it's imagery. It's, right. it, it's poetic language about, uh, about humanity and other, uh, other ancient Near Eastern stories will highlight that man is made from dirt or clay. Um, mostly it's clay because yeah. clay you can actually form, but right. it's besides the point. It, it just, it's a representation of mortality. So we don't have to take that passage as the formation of Adam on day six. Like, right. we don't have to do that. Um, the, the creation of Eve, uh, like we said, uh, the imagery is that God splits Adam in two and makes Eve, the woman. Uh, but the problem is, is, uh, what we'll end up seeing later is like there's way too much going on for that to be the case. So first of all, it says that Adam went into a deep sleep, which other places in the Torah, that word that's being used, it means like a deep sleep where somebody has a vision. Mm. And it's kind of like a, a signal. Like a trance or... Yeah, like a trance. Okay. And it's kind of a signal that what's happening next is this, um, metaphorical has a point vision oh. and got and having a vision of God splitting Adam in two and forming the woman is a representation to the person that God put in the garden who is by himself and doesn't have a suitable helper to tend the garden which is his divinely given duty to worship God is to tend this garden the only helper that God can provide is a woman who is not just uh, this other person. It is some, it is somebody who is as equal to him as dividing him in two. Yeah. So the creation of Eve is so much less about how humanity is created is literally about the equality between men and women in the worship of God. Yeah. And that's why Adam, not God, by the way, Adam makes the comment that this is the reason a man will leave his, his father and mother, which, by the way, is culturally wrong. Right. It, um, yeah, it's culturally wrong because women leave their parents to join their husband's family. Right. 
So he's switching it, first of all. He's making reference to father and mother. And if he's really the first person to exist, where does he have this understanding of father and mother? Where where does he have this understanding of leaving families to be joined together? Like this is, there's so much complex cultural understanding that goes into like this one line to assume that, yeah, like he knew all this. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess you could say God created Adam with knowledge of what future generations would look like. Like, sure, you could say that, but that's really dumb because it's not there. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. The knowledge, so the knowledge of good and evil throughout the rest of the Old Testament is maturity. So Adam doesn't have the knowledge of good and evil, which means he doesn't even have maturity yet. Right. But yet yeah. he has a complex understanding of what society is going to look like. No, come on, get over it. I mean, this is ridiculous to, again, to fit a theology that just isn't there. Mm. And for, for Adam to make this comment and to say they are, uh, they are now one flesh, it is Adam not setting up a marriage. Like, that's not the point. Right. It's Adam saying that men and women are equal. And in the worship of, in the worship of Yahweh, man and woman are together. They're one flesh in the worship of Yahweh. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that Jesus knows this whenever he uses it in Matthew 19, because in Matthew 19, Jesus isn't upholding this heteronormative marriage of God created them man, uh, male and female. So don't, don't let anyone separate them. Like Jesus isn't upholding marriage. What he's doing is calling them, calling out the men that want to divorce women for any reason. Yeah. And he's like, no, you can't do that. The men and women are created in the image of God. Again, you know, corporately, this is the image of God. Yeah. Like you can't let men separate these and make two people, uh, two people on unequal planes. And anytime Jesus talks about marriage, uh, he's always critiquing the inequality between men and women. So go, yeah, go yeah. back and read all those instances. And that's basically the point. But when Jesus says this, like the men get upset and like, then what's the point of getting married? Like <laughs> if, if Jesus is upholding a heteronormative marriage by what he's saying, then that really shouldn't be the outcome of like their response <laughs> Like right. they are actually offended at what he says to the point right. where they're like, there's no point. And then Jesus takes it further and is like, all right, well, there's some people that are born eunuchs, some people that are made eunuchs and some people that will become eunuchs for the kingdom of God. And a lot of times we read that and we're like, uh, celibacy, yeah, you know, we're okay with that. Um, and we use that against our homosexual uh friends to say that yep. they need to be celibate and you but can, no sure, that's, that's not what Jesus, the, the same gender just don't do anything yeah just it. don't do anything <laughs> but the the saying that people are uh going to become eunuchs for the kingdom of god is not saying celibacy it is literally saying there are people that for the kingdom of god they will understand it to a point where they are going to give up their masculinity and become this in between and they are going to glorify the kingdom of God because they are not living up to this patriarchal norm. And oh, I love that. And, and like, 
people people in the early church like they understood it as giving up their masculinity and they literally had to discuss this at a church council be like no uh it means celibacy because please stop cutting off your genitals right (laughs) which i I get the second part of that like you know it's probably (laughs) not good for random people to just be cutting off their genitals but in doing that they they made a new interpretation of something that Jesus was saying when Jesus was actually saying, look, you are in an unequal society that is uh, putting men so far above women that they, men can do whatever they want. They can divorce them for whatever reason. If you're going to follow the kingdom of God, it has to be different. Yeah. So one of the things I hear in that Genesis two story is there there are a lot of resources out of the out of the words of jesus that really help to interpret it in a really open new way uh this this following that line of thinking um you know about setting aside masculinity to be more open and less controlling and uh Mm -hmm. that's that'll preach uh, at, least in, yeah. in, in, at least it'll preach in my church. But, uh. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's a lot. Well, that's a lot there. <laughs> and I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to leave you to um, like right there. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I that's think a, that's good. That's awesome. Really, thank you. That's for a lot to digest right I, there. I like Absolutely. Going those are, those are awesome chapters. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I think I'm going to anyway. actually be preaching on Genesis 2 this Sunday. I'm pretty awesome. sure. And uh, maybe I'll give you guys the, li- the link to this. Uh, I'm thinking of talking about the knowledge of good and evil. And like I said, it's about maturity. And what if we re- uh, re-look at the fall narrative as not the sinfulness of pride or anything like that? What if we actually took what it says about the serpent and the craftiness of the serpent to understand the serpent took advantage of somebody without maturity and caused them to do something that caused them to have maturity? And how many times are people the victim of somebody else that forces them to mature at a rate that they were not meant to mature at? There you go. Yeah. That's gonna. Yeah, that's, always, that's gonna be this Sunday. <laughs> wow, that's good. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, Craig, we're if we'll have to have Kevin on more often. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so Sounds great. I, mean, right. I, lo- I love I love getting on here and, and working through. Honestly, like just getting on and talking with people about like just the thoughts that are are in my head. Just it helps me like put yep. puts the points together. It's like right. connecting a dot to dot where I have like, I have this point at this point, I know that they fit together, but I need to like talk about it to actually draw those lines. See, my so. problem is I got a whole bag of dots. I just, not sure where they can. <laughs> that's yeah. So, yeah. To me too. <laughs> wow. So good. Okay. So when we uh, set up some links, cause you mentioned a, a book, we're going to share a link to that last time. We, can we link to your sermons or is that to. No, we can link. I'll, I'll get you those links. Um, okay. I, I just, uh, I actually published an article in an online magazine. Yeah, you did. Um, well, I didn't. Uh, they published it for me. I just read yeah, it. You, you, um, you did the writing part. Yeah. And 
there, there might have been some major editing. Like, my my background is like so academic. They they yeah. I sent it to them and they sent us back and like we can't do anything with this. You gotta you gotta step dumb, down dumb the down academic part. side. <laughs> you still get the you still get the author credit. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I mean, it's uh, they they changed like two or three sentences to kind of match their theme for the month because it's private. Sure. Um, oh yeah, sure. But sure. like the content content's still mine. That's good. Nice. So okay, I'll, cool. I'll get that yeah, to we'll you, Cody. Links. I'll get I'll get the link. I think to my you did sermons. send it to me. I think you sent me a link already to that article. So okay, I'll make sure. Um, Perfect. Yeah, and we will get this posted. It'll be up for people uh, within the next I promise. year, right? But then uh, next yeah, year, we'll get it in time for Pride Month next, next year. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna post it for Pride Year. Or yep. for <laughs> the Pride, the Pride continues. So there you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, well thanks thank for being you, with Kaylee, us. So it's been really good to meet you. Yeah, it's been yeah. great to to get to know you uh, a little bit, Craig and and Cody. We've known each other for a while. So um, oh yeah. yeah uh, anytime, just just let me know and. Awesome. Yeah. Kaylee, you used to be a part of a podcast, huh? Back in the day. Uh, I did. Uh, and then I, I ran out of time. Um, I'm not yeah, going to send you, <laughs> I'm not going to send you the link to that because like there's so much that has changed in me since back then. I don't want people, wow. I don't want people associating me back then with me now. <laughs> wow. There's one episode with my wife though. That's really that is. good. That one's a good episode. And um, mostly because <laughs> yeah, that'll she, be a good for anybody talked. to dig into. And, and on, like I, I knew I was trans at that point, but was not out. And so like there's, yep. um, yeah, there, there's some more going on to that episode. <laughs> yep, wow. I figured. Uh, post, post to learning more of your journey, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. That yeah, episode makes, sense. makes a little more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on. Okay, well, all right. We already did the five questions last time, so we did. We did. So we're good. Alrighty. We good. Good to see good. you. Well, and I'm going to just sign off here. Where's the end button? There we go. I'm going to, I'm going to talk like an old guy. Where's that button? Wait, uh, uh, unmute Craig. Unmute Craig. <laughs> Wait, I am unmuted. I, I'm just saying how I <laughs> oh, okay, had gotcha, to handle. Gotcha. <laughs> At least I'm not a lawyer that looks like a cat. So I think we got that. <laughs> that was so funny. Oh my gosh. All right. I'm not a cat. I'm not a cat. I love that we had to tell. I'm not a cat. I love the way that that cat image followed his eyes, you know. <laughs> That's a sad oh, cat. All right. What well, a weird year. Okay. Blessings to you all. See you all later. See you, Kaylee. See you, Cody. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining Cody Stauffer and me, Craig Morton, for this podcast. We simply try to record and upload without much editing. What you get is live conversation with all its ignorance and insight, wisdom and foolishness, sometimes more of one than the other, and occasionally profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. Make sure to follow us on Facebook at the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment. And look for upcoming Facebook live podcasts where you can interact with our guests. Also, we can be found on Twitter as at All That's Holy. Our intro and outro music is by At The Speed Of Darkness. Support At The Speed Of Darkness on Bandcamp and buy his music there, as well as follow him on Instagram at At The Speed Of Darkness. 